this is Lon Solomon, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. You know, God has blessed us and allowed us to be on hundreds of stations around the nation, declaring the uncompromising truth of His Word. What a wonderful privilege and honor it is to do that. And I want to thank you for your generosity, because only with your help are we able to stay on these stations and hopefully go on more stations with enough giving by our partners and our friends. So go to LonSolomonMinistries.com, and everything there you need to know is on that website. And now, let's get to the Word of God. Well, you know, we're involved in a study of the Ten Commandments. We're going through them one at a time. And today we've arrived at commandment number seven, which simply says, Exodus 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Now, this looks very simple and straightforward on the surface, but really, there's a lot more here in this commandment than meets the eye. And we want to talk about this today in what I believe is one of the most relevant topics in our world for you and me to be talking about. Now, to really understand what God is saying in commandment number seven, there are four questions we need to ask and answer. Question number one is this, how does God feel about sex? Well, to put it simply, God is totally in favor of sex. I mean, don't forget, God is the one who invented sex. I mean, God told Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful and multiply. And friends, there's only one way in the world to do that. Now, God could have made the human race to procreate any way he'd wanted to make us to procreate. I mean, he could have made us like amoebas where we just kind of go and there's two of us. You know, there goes Renee again. But he didn't make it this way. God created sex. And, and I want to make sure we understand that sex is not just something that God tolerates because it produces children. To the contrary, sex is something that pleases God when a husband and a wife are doing it. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. The Bible says, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May her breasts satisfy you at all times. May you ever be intoxicated, literally drunk, in her physical, sexual love. You see, the common view is that when it comes to sex, God is a cosmic killjoy. But my friends, nothing could be farther from the truth. In Proverbs 5 here, God is talking about a husband and a wife having an active sexual life, a vibrant sexual life, and God makes it clear that this is pleasing to him. This comes as a great shock to many people in our world that God is in favor of sex. This comes as a great shock to many church-going people in our world that God is in favor of sex, but it's true. Listen, if you have a child, don't you ever tell your child that sex is bad and displeasing to God because they'll believe you, my friend, and you will lay a curse on them that they will spend much of their adult life trying to get over. You tell them that sex is beautiful, that sex is pleasing to God, God is all for sex, you tell them, so long as we use it inside the boundary that God created for it. And what is that boundary? Well, that's what commandment number seven begins by telling us. Commandment seven makes it clear that that boundary is marriage. 
Now, all of this leads us to a second question, because there's more here in commandment number seven than just that. The second question is, how did the Lord Jesus tell us that we were to interpret this commandment, number seven? Well, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, you've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Jesus said, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman to lust with lust in his heart, and let me say anyone that looks at a man with lust in her heart, has already committed adultery with this person in their heart. God's full intent of commandment number seven goes way beyond the letter of the law. In God's mind, commandment number seven, you shall not commit adultery, is not limited just to the physical act of adultery, but rather it also applies to the state of mind and to the attitude of heart that lies behind the act of adultery. You see, sexual sin, my friends, is an act of the heart a long time before it's an act of the body. And this is why Jesus said, Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart comes adultery. When a man looks at a woman who is not his wife, and when a man has lustful thoughts and sexual fantasies about this woman, as far as God is concerned, my friends, that man is just as guilty of violating commandment number seven as if he'd been in bed with this woman and actually done with her everything he was imagining. And ladies, when a woman looks at a man who is not her husband and begins to fantasize what it would be like to be loved and caressed by him instead of her insensitive, boring, unromantic husband. As far as God is concerned, that woman is as guilty of violating commandment number seven as if she'd actually gone off and slept with that man. The point, God is not just calling us to a life of outward sexual obedience. God is calling us to a life of inward sexual purity. And that leads us to our third question, and that is, well, why is this such a big deal with God? I mean, why is uh, sexual uh, purity so important that God seems to pound on it in the Bible so much? Well, that's a great question, and I'm going to give you three reasons why. Number one, because as Christians, we are only as powerful for God as we are pure. Listen to what God said, Deuteronomy 23. He said, when you're encamped against your enemies, keep away from everything impure. For the Lord will move in your camp to protect you and deliver you from your enemies. But your camp must be holy so that he will not see anything indecent among you. And as a result, be forced to turn away from you. Sexual purity and spiritual power are blood brothers. It is not great talents that God blesses, but great likeness to Jesus, especially in this area of moral purity. If we're serious it's about seeing the power of God active and flowing in our life, then we have got to be serious about sexual purity. And this is why my prayer over the years has become and is today, Lord Jesus, do not let me become a dirty old man. And let me tell you something, if you're a young man, you don't want to be a dirty young man. You don't want to be a dirty old woman or a dirty young woman because the power of Christ on our life depends on a passion for purity in our life. Number two, the second reason why this is so important is because as Christians, the authenticity of our witness hinges on this. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, I urge you, Peter says, to abstain from fleshly lusts that wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent before unbelievers that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Friends, our world is far too sophisticated to tolerate anything from us as followers of Christ except truly authentic behavior. When men, other men see us staring at women as they walk by, ladies, or when, when other women see us making comments about some man's behind, we absolutely destroy our platform for sharing Christ with those people. Finally, number three, why is this important? Because number three, sexual sin brings people into bondage. And that's true of Christians, just like it's true of non-Christians. Second Peter chapter 2, Peter said, These are people who indulge the flesh in all of its corrupt lust and have eyes full of adultery. Watch what he says. While they promise people freedom, they themselves are slaves of depravity for whatever has mastery over a person. By this, that person is enslaved. Listen, the enslaving power of sexual sin is phenomenal. And sexual sin is a cruel taskmaster. It is a vicious taskmaster, driving people into deeper and deeper depravity until they lose all balance in their life. This is why Proverbs 6 says that he that commits sexual sin destroys his own soul. This is why in Hosea 4.11, the Bible says that sexual sin eats away at the heart. And you know what? This is a major problem in our world today, not just among non-Christians, friends. In a survey, I got this from Enough is Enough, from a survey done by MarketWire, August 2006, they found that 50%, I'm quoting now, of all Christian men and 20% of all Christian women admit being addicted to pornography. 60% of the women who answered the survey admitted to having significant struggles with lust, and 40% of them admitted to being involved in sexual sin in the past year. In a survey by the Zogby International Group, one out of every six women, including Christians, admitted struggling with an addiction to pornography, primarily on the Internet or by video. Listen, some of us here know about the incredible addicting power of sexual sin. And this is why God is so fanatical about telling us to stay away from it. Now, all of that leads us to question number four. And you know question number four. So are you ready? Yeah. Nice and loud. Here we go. One, two, three. So yeah, you say, Lon, so what? Say, all right, I got what you're trying to tell me. How could I miss it? Um... But so help me, Lon. I mean, how do I stay away from sexual sin? How do I, what are the steps I can take to keep myself free? Well, I've got four suggestions for you. Number one, want to stay free of sexual sin? Then number one, stay away from those places and things that tempt us. I mean, the, the, the place to try to resist breaking your diet is not standing in the buffet line. The best place to resist sin and temptation is by staying far away from it. Proverbs chapter 5, talking about a woman who represents sexual temptation. The Bible says, keep to a path far from her house and do not go past her door. 
What does this mean practically? Well, it means don't go over your girlfriend's house and don't go over your boyfriend's house late at night when the roommate's not there and watch romantic movies cuddling on the couch. Don't go, don't, ladies, don't go out and have coffee or have lunch with some man at your office that you feel attracted to. And, and, and don't justify it by saying we're just friends. Listen, when a married woman is out with another man and she justifies it by saying we're just friends, she's already over the line, my friend. Don't hang out with people who have potty mouths and potty brains and are going to say the wrong things and are going to lead your mind to the wrong places. Have your computer in a public place in your house so everybody know is knowing where everybody's going on that computer. Folks... The easiest way to put a fire out is never let it get started. Number two, watch, men, this is for you, watch where you let your eyes go. I love what Job said. He said, I have made a covenant with my eyes, Job 31.1, not to look lustfully at a woman. Listen, gentlemen, when you look at a woman, look her in the eyes. It is impossible to lust after what we refuse to look at. And ladies, could I please say to you that you could do a big favor to all of us Christian men by watching what you wear? Some of the things that I've seen Christian women wear, I mean, Lord, have mercy on some of the stuff I've seen women wear. I mean, we're struggling bad enough with this. Help us out, will you? And be modest in the way you dress, please. Number three, want to stay free of sexual sin and control what you let into your mind. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. Sleep with dogs long enough and you'll get fleas. If we hang around with the, law, with the wrong things enough, sooner or later it'll rub off on us. And this is particularly true when it comes to sexual things. You know, it's not like you and I today have to go looking for pornography. Those days are over. It's not like that anymore, friends. It comes looking for you now, on your computer, into your mail slot, onto your television. Marketers have changed the world, so now we're defending ourselves from pornography. And so what this means is if we really want to guard our mind, we have to be extremely proactive about this. Listen, I believe that no follower of Jesus Christ who is serious about sexual purity in their life no follower of Christ has any business subscribing to HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, or the movie channel and letting that crud come into your house. I believe if you're serious and I am about sexual purity, we ladies have no business reading Cosmopolitan, Mademoiselle, or Seventeen magazine. Watch what goes into our mind. We have no business going to R-rated movies with nudity and strong sexual content in it. And I've gone so far as to call DirecTV years ago and tell them to disable all the pay-per-view channels on my account so that they cannot be ordered by the remote or any other way. We've got to watch what goes into our brain and we've got to defend ourselves. And you say, well, Lon, I, I can handle some of this stuff without it affecting me. Well, I'm sorry, my friend, but God doesn't agree with you. The Bible says, Proverbs 6.2, can a man take fire in his bosom? And not be burned? Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So ask David whether he could sit on the roof all day and watch Bathsheba naked on the roof next door without it having an effect on him. 
Listen, friends, they thought they could play around with sexual sin and not get burned. And if they got burned, we'll get burned. We dare not fill our mind with sexual impurity. It will eat us alive. Instead, we should be filling our mind with the word of God. This is why David said, thy word I have hidden in my heart, Psalm 119, so that I might not sin against thee. A heart that is full of the word of God is a heart that has a built-in filter against sexual impurity. And when we look at, at women, men, or men, women, and we see them through the eyes of Christ, we see them as holy people for whom Christ died on the cross instead of sexual objects, it changes and fortifies our ability to resist seeing them in a way that is lustful and displeasing to God. Finally, suggestion number four is we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for victory and not our own power. I love what Jesus said. He said, whoever commits sin becomes the slave of sin. But, whoa, here's the good news. If the Son of Man sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Listen, when I came to Jesus Christ in 1971, sexual sin had its claws so deep in me that only the power of Jesus alone could have pulled those claws out. And he did. But you know what I learned? I learned that that's not just a one-time event, Jesus keeping us free. That has got to be a moment-by-moment, every-single-day event. Sexual sin is far too powerful and strong for me to beat it in my own strength, for you to beat it in your own strength, And the problem is so many of us, we don't use the greatest weapon we've got, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk out of the house and say, I'm not going to lust, I'm not going to lust, I'm not going to lust. And we try to do this in the energy of our own flesh. Friends, when we walk out the house, we need to pray and say, Lord Jesus, help me today to pour cold water on my lust. Lord, help me to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ today. And I don't know about you, but I walk around all day. Seeing certain people pass me by and go, Lord Jesus, help me, help me, Lord Jesus. You know what? The Lord does help. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus in a real and personal way, listen, my friend, one of the great things you get when you trust Christ as your Savior is you don't just get heaven. You do get that. You don't just get eternal life and forgiveness of sins. You do get that. But you also get the Holy Spirit and his power living inside of us, available to help us live above our own destructive passions. And if you don't have that power in your life, my friend, you need that power in your life or you will self-destruct. We all will. I trust you'll think about that. Well, let's conclude. Robert Murray McShane said a holy Christian is an awful weapon in the hand of God. And you say, but Lon, we can never be perfectly holy. I can't be. You can't be. You're right, friends. But you know what? We can be passionate in this area. We can be passionate about sexual purity in our lives. We can be passionate about pursuing personal holiness in every facet of our life. And this is what commandment number seven is calling you and me to, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Now, you might say, well, you know, Lon, all that you've said is good. But i got to tell you, in my case, this is a little bit like shutting the barn door after the horse is already out. Uh, That I'm way past hope. I mean, it's too late for me. Oh, no, my friends, you listen here. It is never too, too late, gentlemen. It is never too late, ladies, for you to reclaim your integrity and take control of your life for God. It is never too late for you to repent 
and return to God. It is never too late for you to make a clean break from sexual sin and for you to become passionate about personal holiness in your life. And if you need to do that, it's going to take some radical steps, possibly. God will help you, but most of us who are in trouble don't need band-aids. We need radical surgery, and that's going to take some courage. We need to go home and say to our boyfriend or our girlfriend, I'm sorry, you're moving out. This is done. We're through. You need to call up DirecTV or cable or whatever and say, I want you to cancel HBO, cancel Cinemax, and I want you to disable my pay-per-view. And don't tell me to code. You know, there's a new computer system, I've got it written down here, called CovenantEyes.com that uh, will allow us to, uh, every if you put it on your computer, every place you go on your computer, it will send a copy of that site to whatever friends you've listed. So they get to see where you go. And that leads me to my last comment. My last comment is, if you've got trouble with sexual sin in your life, you need to find someone. We all need someone that we can be accountable to, who can ask us the hard questions, and we need to bring that sin into the light. See, friends, sin thrives in darkness. This is what Jesus said. Listen, Jesus said, chapter 3 of John, He said, and this is the verdict, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, Jesus said, and will not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. If we're serious about personal holiness in our life, then we have got to bring sexual sin out into the light. Talk to it, uh, talk to a friend about it, or we've got to go see a counselor, or we've got to go see a pastor, or whatever, a parent. But we've got to bring it in the light if you want victory. But you know what? Jesus is standing there to help you, my friend. You know, I've been through this. I told you about my background. And you know what I found? I mean, my life, I felt like a locust plague had gone through my life when I came to Christ, particularly in this area. But there's a wonderful verse of Scripture I latched on to and I've held on to for 37 years almost. Here's what it says. It says, when we come back to Jesus, Joel 2.25, God will restore to us the years the locusts have eaten. He's done that for me. And my friend, he'll do that for you if you've got the passion and the courage enough to step into the light. But friends, this is what commandment number seven is all about. I told you there was more here than met the eye. And this is where you and I need to grapple with this issue. Let's pray together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you a moment. If you need to repent, if you need to return to God, if you need to make a commitment to bring this into the light and to get free, I want to give you a moment to talk to God about that. And you tell him what you're willing to do and you ask for his help and for his courage. Here's your moment. Lord Jesus, I believe we've talked today about one of the most relevant and problematic issues in our modern world. This culture is sexually overdosed. And it is a dangerous culture in that regard. And Father, I... I can't help but believe that virtually every one of us here struggle in some form or fashion with sexual purity. So speak to our hearts, Lord. And for those of us who've made a commitment to sexual purity in our life, Lord, give us the strength and give us the strategies we need to consistently live the way you ask us to live with inner sexual purity. And Lord, for the folks here today who are in bondage, for the people here today who need help, Desperately, I pray, God, that you would reassure them 
that if the Son of Man sets them free, they will be free indeed. That there is freedom by the power of Christ. And I pray that they would bring that sin out into the light where it can't live and they would find someone to hold them accountable, Lord Jesus. Lord, set us free that we can be an awful weapon in the hand of God and change our lives because we were here today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to So What with Dr. Lon Solomon. So What is an outreach of Lon Solomon Ministries. To listen to today's message or for more information, visit our website, lonsolomonministries.org. Thank you for your support. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website or call us at 866-788-7770. We hope you will join us next time when Lon seeks to answer one of life's most important questions, So What?